Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Southern New England's only home for sporting news radio. AM 1320, The Drive, WARL, Attleboro, Providence. Sporting News Radio. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on WARL 1320, The Drive, with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. reviewing the latest action of the New England Revolution in Major League Soccer right here on AM 1320 The Drive as well as over the internet at 1320thedrive.com. And uh, on Wednesday night, no Revs game last Saturday night, but on Wednesday night the Revs had a big game against D.C. United. D.C. Uh, running away with the division at this point in time. Uh, really, uh, no one's going to catch them at this point. I believe they need one more point to clinch the division. And the, the Revs came off with a 1-1 draw, which was... Uh, a good result for the team, but at, at the same time, at, at home and the way DC's been playing recently, uh, a win would have been better. But Chicago right now seems to be pretty secure in second place, especially with the win today, uh, earlier this today against DC United, which puts them uh, at 41 points on the season, uh, six points ahead of the Revs. So it, it was a it, it's it's got the Revs safely into third place right now. Um, Clint Dempsey got back on target with a with a goal against D.C. So uh, the Revs are back in track in that sense. They also got a win um, on the Saturday beforehand. So finally the Revs are starting to pick up the points after the poor streak early on. Uh, we'll be joined later on the show by uh, Joe Franchino, Revolution Defender, uh, and we'll also be joined by Andrew Hush from Soccer New England. And uh, actually now joining me in the studio is uh, Barry Sanders, BigSoccer.com moderator. Thanks for coming, Barry. Oh, no problem. <laughs> uh, glad I could make it. Um, uh, we were talking about the game on uh, Wednesday night, no game Saturday night. Uh, it was good for the Revs to get a tie against D.C., but uh, a little disappointed they couldn't get more out of that game, especially the way they played in the second half. I agree. I think they had a great second half, and uh, hopefully that's the uh, beginning of the big turnaround we've all been waiting for, but uh, I guess time will tell. Uh, and Obviously, earlier today, Chicago getting a win over D.C. United, putting uh, Chicago in good position to clinch second place. Uh, I think the Reds will have a hard road again ahead of them if they are to catch up with Chicago, who now have a, a six-point lead in second place. But the Reds do have a game at hand, so uh, second is not out of the question. Anything is possible with this group. I think other than D.C. United, it's still a toss-up all the way from uh, second to sixth, and uh, it's just a matter of uh, getting the last few games in and uh, getting the best results we can. Certainly, uh, New York is making a play to get back into a playoff spot uh, with 32 points. We're only three points behind the Reds at this point, and they're in currently residing in fifth place. Kansas City uh, in a little bit of trouble with only 33 points. Uh, I think they could, should be worrying about New York, especially uh, with New York having a game in hand on that. Uh, probably safe to say Columbus are out of the playoff picture at this point with only 26 points, but uh, the East is really a lot that, as you said, that could happen. I think uh, particularly in uh, third place through fifth place, a lot could change. Oh, absolutely, and uh, you know, I'm hoping for a uh, home playoff game, and uh, I hope that the uh, the guys get the job done and get us at least one. And the Western Conference also a tight race uh, right after first place with Houston with 39 points, Colorado with 39 points, Chivas with 38 points, Salt Lake 36 points, and the defending champions Los Angeles Galaxy with only 33 points. Uh, looks like that they won't make the playoffs. That would be the first time in uh, in LA Galaxy history that they don't make the playoffs, and 
I don't know what that says about uh, all their big superstars over there, but uh, you know, uh, I think it, it just speaks to the parity in Major League Soccer. You can be champs one year and in the cellar the next year, and, and vice versa. Well, it should be said that even last year wasn't a great regular season for Los Angeles, and just squeaked into the playoffs. I believe they were out of the playoffs uh, for a while, and then they managed to pick, pick up a run at the end and make it. Uh, this year, they made a, they're making a run. Certainly, they've been playing better, but it uh, seems like too little, too late. Well, I mean, that's the other thing you can say about Major League Soccer is, uh, you know, you play a lot of games to get warmed up for the games that count, and that's the playoffs, and L.A. proved it last year. They were uh, mediocre at best for most of the season, and then uh, they turned it on when they needed to, and, you know, maybe that's about Donovan. He's always said that, uh, you know, if he's not bored, if he's not uh, preoccupied, if he can somehow be motivated, he can have a great game. Certainly, he's a player that uh, you can see fade in and out of games, and, uh, he's always there for the big games, uh, which makes you question why wasn't he there for the World Cup. But uh, other than that, as far as MLS, you always see him there for the big games. He's he's been playing a lot better uh, uh, post World Cup for LA. So certainly they are, they are a team that is a team that can play spoiler. But I do think that they'd have a tough road ahead of them if they were to make the playoffs at this point, especially considering they've played 28 games, which is more than uh, a lot of the other teams in their division. Yeah, again, uh, you never know, especially with uh, with a player like Donovan, who seems to, uh, you know, when it's absolutely necessary, throw the team on his back and carry them uh, pretty far. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe not having to do that day in and day out and prove himself is starting to uh, show the results. And the Rev schedule coming up, there are five more games, three of them at home. Uh, Wednesday night, they actually have the game against the New York Red Bulls, who... Uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, have a good chance of coming right back in the playoffs. Uh, only three points behind the Revs, so that's really a, a must-win, or at least a must-not-lose game for the Revs. Oh, uh, most definitely. I think uh, we, we all watched that game pretty carefully, hoping, I think, for a Columbus win to give us a little breathing room, but uh, the Red Bulls are breathing down our necks, and uh, it really is. I, I wouldn't even say it's a must-not-lose. I think it's a must-win. We've got to get some some space between us and them, otherwise... You know, it turns into one bad game, and uh, it'll change everything. Uh, Red Bulls, I guess, in their last game, I'm not sure they picked up a red card or uh, one red card anyway, and uh, so we won't have to worry about that player hopefully. And uh, you know, maybe that'll give us a, a little something extra. And sat coming up on the Saturday after is a home game against Kansas City, so that's two crucial games right there. Kansas City right behind the Revs. Uh, as you mentioned, they played one more game than the other teams, but uh, they're only two points behind the Revs, so certainly a- another crucial game, two big games in a row. Uh, looking at the rest of the schedule, those are probably the two biggest games uh, left on the schedule and both coming up this week. I mean, between the, the point situation and the fact that the majority of the games, I think if not all of the games we've got left, are uh, Eastern Conference uh, matchups. So How about one? Uh, you know, every one of those is, is a huge swing game. So there really isn't a game that the Revolution can come out and say, well, you know, this one's not one of the big ones. We don't have to get up for this. They need to get up. They need to be playing 110% every single game. Uh, there really isn't a margin for error at this point. The, the the thing with the rest of the schedule, though, is uh, the last two games are against D.C. United, who, as I mentioned, only need a point or two points to clinch first place in the division. Uh, so at that point, D.C. may have nothing to play for. And then October 14th against Columbus Crew, where if they keep up their current form, uh, they'll likely be el- eliminated uh, a game or two before that. So uh, the schedule works out well for a team that needs to go on a run and uh, c- to get good momentum going to the playoffs. Yeah, you know... I, I, 
in other seasons, I would have really looked forward to games like that. But I think we've seen time and time again the games that you know that we all sit back and say, oh, you know, this is going to be an easy one. We've got a team that's just been awful. Kansas City had been playing awful, and they beat us. Uh, Salt Colum- Lake, yeah, Salt Lake, uh, Columbus. All those games where we sit back and say, oh, you know, that's the uh, we'll pick up three points easy here. That team is just dreadful. I think the same can be said for uh, for these remaining games. You'll have uh, a team, and we'll say, oh, you know, D.C., they're not playing for anything. That, that shouldn't be too hard a game. Oh, Columbus, they're already out. They're just going to throw some young guys in there and, and, and get some good uh, practice time. I mean, those are the games that, that have a tendency to bite New England on the butt. Yeah, I think I think that's what's been really disappointing about this season, too, is uh, th- they've had the... The games, if they had won those games that they're supposed to win, they'd be a lot better off situation than they are now. They've, the against the harder teams, they've seemed to perform at their best. Uh, maybe not necessarily winning those games, but uh, I think there's been a letdown against some of the easier teams, where uh, like the fans are expecting them to win easily, and it seems like maybe the teams are too, and underestimating their opponents. And that happens a lot. I've seen it from youth teams all the way up to uh, professional and even international games. You go out there and you say, oh, you know, this is a game that we, we shouldn't have too much trouble with. And it's difficult to get yourself uh, pumped up for it. And uh, the result is that the other team is, uh, uh, turns it over on you and you end up with a pretty embarrassing loss. And we also saw that in, in the Open Cup where uh, the Chicago team that they put out was certainly not their first team. And it was unfortunate uh, that was a game you certainly would expect the team to win as well. Yeah, it's about playing to the, do you play to the level of your opponent or do you play to your best every every week? And, and we've seen that every uh, with the Revolution this year. They've really uh, kind of played down on, on those games. And now joined over the phone by uh, Revolution captain uh, and midfielder and defender Joe Franchino. Joe, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I can. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, last game against D.C., uh, I thought it was probably your best game of the season with uh, your efforts going forward and tracking back. Uh, do you think the team had extra motivation going up against a team in D.C. that liked the path left to go through to get to MLS Cup the way they're playing? Well, obviously when you play uh, D.C., they're like the best team in the league, so it's always a big rivalry besides you know, what we have between ourselves. But uh, it was a game you know I was, I was motivated for, and... Um, I enjoyed it. I wish we got three points, but uh, it was a good, no, I had a good run. And the teams now have uh, played D.C. three times already this season, and all three times D.C. has come away with the first goal, and uh, usually an early goal. Uh, what do you think is the issue with that? Um, I don't know. It's just the way it's, the way it's gone, but uh, uh, we know we, we gave up a soft goal, and uh, as a team we know that, but uh, we fought back, and uh, to get the 1-1 uh, result was not fair, I guess. And you've played uh, over the past two years in several different positions for the Revs, the defensive midfield, uh, one or two times, uh, most recently mostly at left midfield and also at uh, left back. Uh, is it difficult making the transition between positions? No, uh, whatever uh, I'm called upon to do, I try to do you know, the best I can. So um, lately, you know, I've been getting subbed in like the 70th minute. So I kind of know that, you know, and I just try to run that guy into the ground, you know, and let Tano come in and do his thing, but uh, Connor's coming along too, so it's 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 a good it's a good form for us, you know. And there's been also been changed at uh, left back with uh, James Riley or Avery John. There, does that make uh, your job any different having one or the other playing behind you? No, my job is still to do the same thing. There's some things that uh, those players have strengths and others, you know. I mean, 
but they fill in and they do the job, you know. I mean, if uh, if Riley's called upon, he'll do he'll do a great job, you know. Who, who knows what's going to happen in the near future here? So we'll see. Anybody you know gets their name called is going to step up and uh, play well. So. And you've been doing a great job recently on uh, free kicks. It's something that we've seen you do well in the past, but uh, is that something you've been working on a lot recently? Uh, I, I mean, it's always an advantage to have something else in your game, you know, as far as free kicks or hitting a good ball in. You know, it, obviously the result is the big thing, and, yeah, it was good, it was on frame, but I didn't score, so hopefully I can get one here shortly, you know. But uh, I hit it pretty well. Yeah, Troy Perkins has been having a great season, but uh, on the other end, uh, your goalkeeper, Matt Reese, has been doing an excellent job for the team. Uh, can you talk about how how well it is, how good it is to have a goalkeeper like that knowing he's behind you? Oh, Matt Reese is uh, one of our MVP candidates. You know, he's uh, he's that big for us, you know, and his presence in the back. And, uh, yeah, Matt's, Matt's great, so uh, we're going to need him, you know, in the stretch, so. And with the team's uh, defensive midfield situation, a guy like Shari Joseph, uh, we've seen how the team's played without him this season in the game against Columbus. How important is it having him in the lineup, and what does he add to the team? Shari? Yep. Shari probably is our MVP, you know. We all rallied behind Shari, you know. He's a big bully on the team. And uh, we like that. We like that mentality that he brings. And uh, we rally behind that. So uh, he gives us a lot, you know. And... Uh, that's Shari for you, so. And on uh, the game on Wednesday, uh, you had the assist on Clint Dempsey's goal. Could you tell us how that went down? No, nah, I was just, uh, we were banging at the goal, you know, and ball came out. I'm at the top of the box, and I just tried to do, like, Air Jordan sky for it <laughs> and uh, hit it to the far post, and Taylor just did his thing and put it across the goal and right to Clint, and the rest is history. And uh, with D.C. basically clinching first place, is second still the goal for this team? No, we're just trying to win every game. I don't know where we'll fall, but we're just trying to win every game, you know? We have, like, uh, five games left. We're going down the stretch, and the boys need to pull together, and it's time, you know, to win games, and that's what we're about. And the next game coming up is uh, Wednesday at the New York Red Bulls. Uh, what do you expect from them, especially since they're a team currently on the outside looking in, but certainly a team with a great chance at at uh, making it, and what do, you, what do you think the Reds need to do to get a good result at that in that game? Uh, we always know when we go down to New York, you know, it's a intense, intense match, you know, and hopefully Noonan will be back because uh, he can spoil things for us, you know, for them again, you know, like he usually does. But uh, if he's not, we'll see what happens. But uh, we're looking forward to it. We know it's going to be a tough match. And Saturday, another tough match against Kansas City, who are right behind you in the standings. Uh, is this probably the most important match of the season, maybe, for this team with the way these two matches are shaping up? Every game is. These uh, one game at a time. You know, the Kraft family likes to say one game at a time. So uh, we're gonna deal with these games coming up one game at a time. We're gonna you know go out there and win games. And with the team, how they're performing recently, uh, the the win last weekend and the tie uh, on Wednesday, you think it sets up for another good end of season run like the team's had in the past several years? Why not? You might as well ride it, right? <laughs> So, uh, Joe, this is uh, Barry Sanders. I just wanted to ask you about these two new guys we hear uh, in the Globe reporting that uh, Abundus has been signed and uh, the, the Ivory Coast uh, midfielder, uh, Oka. I know that Abundus has been in uh, for some trainings. So you've had a chance to look at him. What can you tell us about these two new guys? 
uh, anybody, you know, the coaching staff brings in to add to our team is going to, you know, immediately help us. So we, we look, we look forward to, you know, hopefully Noon gets back, but Abundance can, you know, do some stuff up top that might bring to our team. And this new guy from Ivory Coach, you know, you got to give it to the coaching staff. They bring in good players. So uh, as far as that concerns, you know, we're going, we're going for, to win games. That's what we're about. What do you think of the team's current setup? You mentioned uh, the sub of Connor Smith, who has usually been coming in late in the games. For you think that's uh, how do you feel about that? And uh, do you think that's a good strategy to bring in uh, fresh legs and also a guy who's very fast to run at the team late in the games? Uh, I think Kano, I mean, he can just run by people like like they're standing still, you know. And if if I do my part and get that guy tired or make it easier for him, you know, when he comes into the game, I think that's a lethal weapon, you know. But if I'm not tired or something. I can stay in the game. Maybe, you know, I don't need to be subbed, but I can move to a different position. But it's all good, you know. Uh, I just try to work hard and, and uh, do well for my team. Can you talk about uh, the play of Jeff Rentowitz, obviously captaining the reserve squad last year and now stepping into the midfield role and really being a starter for much of the season? Yeah, Kaiser, he's a, he's a stud, man. And he uh, stepped up and he's confident and we're gonna look. We're gonna look forward to him, you know, um, playing a big role down the stretch. So I know he's looking forward to it, you know, and, and he's putting in a lot of work. So uh, it's gonna be uh, a good run for him. And we're talking about the upcoming schedule coming up. Uh, you finished the season with uh, two games against uh, DC United, with a game against DC United and a game against the uh, Columbus Crew. Uh, Columbus Crew, you, they, at that point, very well could be out of the playoff picture. DC could have clinched first. Uh, how important is it to not really look at that that way and uh, is it is it is going to be harder to get motivated for games like that where those teams may well be have nothing to play for? No, we really don't get into that too much. We just focus on one game at a time, and we uh, we're out to win games right now. Uh, we have five games left in the playoffs, so we're just about winning games. You know, each game. Uh, I don't really think the opponent comes in to uh, take too much, but uh, that's what we're about. We're, just, we're we're about winning games now. And we talked about a Kansas City game. Uh, coming up on Saturday, Kansas City is really a team that uh, has been kind of disappointing this season with some of the stars they have. Uh, how how tough will that game be? Uh, and do you think that it, at any time now that team could break out with players like Eddie Johnson who are uh, kind of disappointing in their form recently? Well, anytime you have speed, it it brings a different dimension to the game and uh, how you're going to react to different teams. But they definitely are, you know, they can beat you on speed, so you got to watch out for that, you know. So, um yeah, but I mean, I don't know what, what, what they're about, but they got some good players, and and uh, it should be a good match. You know, we're about winning games. Uh, for you, that you've started off with uh, the Galaxy, and now we're back, and now we're with the Revs and captaining for the team. Uh, what has been your best experience so far uh, in your time at MLS? Um, so far, uh, I would I would just say in '98 I came in with a great team in LA. Uh, great, you know, organization. It was uh, we won 24 games, I believe, and it was crazy. You know, we'd go out there and be up three nothing at halftime, and just come out the second half and just like keep the ball. It was, it was amazing, you know, as being a rookie and stuff. But to where I am now, you know, getting to some MLS cups and not not yet winning that final game. So that's my goal. I think that's all our goals this year. And with the team having players like Clint Dempsey and Taylor Twelman. Uh, who have, who have played so well for the U.S. national team? Uh, is there any is there any issue with uh, players like Dempsey who have openly spoken about wanting to lead the league? 
Uh, no. Clint's a, a teammate of ours, and we wish him well, whatever he does. He comes out and works hard every day. And uh, But for now, I think, you know, his mindset is, is to win games with us. I think we have five games left, and then we got the playoffs, and he's going to be part of that. So I think that's important to him. And uh, we all know Clint's a great player. I think the league does, too, you know, and everybody in America knows he's a good player. But, uh, you know, we're going to have a different situation with Taylor and with Shari and, you know, Noonan. And it's going to, you know, the time is now, so uh, everybody's going to rally behind each other and go out and do this thing and win games. And the other question is, with guys like Jose Cancela and uh, now James Riley, who are legitimate starters in this league, and it's great to have the depth on the bench, but sometimes it's hard to, you know, keep everyone happy with having, uh, you know, the glut of depth like depth like that and players that aren't necessarily getting the playing time that uh, they would want? Of course. I mean, in, in preseason, we were, uh, I don't know where we were, but we're, I think we were in Costa Rica. And, you know, like, James Riley's probably our best player right now, you know? And he's played well throughout the whole year, and, you know, he's a good pro. He's part of this team, and he's going to be called upon soon, you know, and he'll be ready. And with the team this year, uh, the reserve league is something that we've seen that didn't exist in the past, and do you think that's something that makes it a lot easier for players to get adjusted to the style of playing MLS and uh, makes it easier for rookies to come up? A guy like Jeff Lerontowitz, do you think he he maybe wouldn't be where he is this year if it wasn't for the reserve league? Uh, I think the reserve league definitely helps, you know. I think it's been a, a bit of a nightmare for us as a club because we've had guys play with us who we didn't even know for a stretch when we had some injuries, you know. But uh, other than that, it's great. You know, I think Jeff came through. I think Jeff was confident when he got here and he just kind of, you know, time until he uh, got his chance and he got his chance and he did well. So yeah, I think it's good. I think we reserve game is, is uh, great. And talking about the injury situation, you mentioned Pat Newton uh, wanting him to be back for Wednesday. I, I know there was a practice this earlier this morning. Uh, was there any update on any of these guys on injury situation like Pat Noonan and Willie Sims? Uh, well, Marshall's running, so he 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 could be ready in a couple weeks. But uh, no, I don't know. I don't know the situation. I just know uh, anytime Pat comes in, you know he's going to score goals just like he did. So uh, we could use him anytime he's ready. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today. All right, thank you. And good luck on Wednesday and Saturday. All right, take it easy. That was Revolution Captain Joe Franchino, who, as we mentioned, had the assist on the secondary assist on Clint Dempsey's goal on Wednesday and uh, played an excellent game. Uh, as I mentioned, I thought it was the best game he's played all season. And, you know, it's great to see a guy like him picking it up as it gets closer in the stretch run of the season. It's, it's great to see it. Uh, it needs to happen, uh, you know, from top to bottom. I think, uh, you know, the Revolution have uh, kind of struggled along through the season. We've seen uh, that it, that doesn't really mean anything. Uh, we've seen other teams... Uh, struggle along and then pull it together at the end certainly that's you know kind of the revolution trademark is to pull it together at the end and make a nice run so uh if, if joe's having a great game and we can get the rest of the team to have great games then uh you know there's no reason why they can't go all the way and i mentioned los angeles earlier i think that's something that the Rebs would like to do is you know sneak into the playoffs where they maybe struggle through the season and then go on the run we saw los angeles do it and uh you know, disappointing for the Revs. They ended up beating the Revs, where the Revs were the better team all regular season. Uh, certainly, that's something that the Revs would like to do this year. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they would. <laughs> and, uh, for the rest of the, for all of us fans, you know, we'd love to see them uh, pull it off too. Whether they get in the playoffs in that second spot or they come in in fourth, uh, 
you know, it's still three more games, and that's really what Major League Soccer boils down to. It's uh, getting into one of those four spots and then winning three games, uh, four games. But it's a, it's a difficult spot to be in, having uh, likely to having to play the Eastern Conference Final away, and if DC keeps it up, likely in DC, uh, where DC is so strong. We've seen the Revs have to play there before in the Eastern Conference Final, and that was an excellent game by the Revs and by both teams. But it really gives the team an advantage when they have the home field advantage, especially when it goes into uh, penalty kicks or overtime. So uh, it, it will be a tough situation for them to go back to MLS Cup and repeat what they did last year. Well, uh, the, the path to MLS Cup is through D.C. at this point, whether you uh, whether we draw them first, uh, coming in fourth and, and playing them uh, you know, in our, one of our first games, or we uh, come in second or third and, and get to play them in the last game for the Eastern Conference Championship. We're going to have to play them at RFK, and we're going to have to beat them there. And the players that we were talking about earlier, uh, a guy like Clint Dempsey, uh, do you think he'll, he'll be playing at his best despite uh, all this talk recently about wanting to leave the league and not, not maybe it was more of a knock on Landon Donovan than a knock on the league, but saying he wouldn't be coming back after he left? Well, I don't think uh, Dempsey uh, meant anything disrespectful. At least I hope he didn't. And, uh, you know, we're all watching the games, and we all kind of take different things from him. Some folks are, are wondering if, if Clint's putting 100% out there, if maybe he's just trying to make sure he doesn't get injured so he gets a nice transfer. I don't know. I know a time not long ago that he was all about, uh, you know, we're just going to win MLS Cup. He came back from uh, the World Cup game saying now all I'm focused on now is win, winning the MLS Cup and uh, you know if his heart's there and his head's there then you know he's a great player and, and like Donovan he could throw the team on his back and, and carry them right right along. Which is a bit strange to see him go from as you mentioned right after the World Cup being so enthused about MLS wanting to win the MLS Cup and now he's coming back and uh, saying he's very disappointed the league didn't accept the offer for Charlton uh, and really Really, basically saying that if he if he's not gone in January, he's going to just run out of his contract and leave. Well, I, I think it's obvious he's going. Uh, you know, barring some catastrophe, he's going to go. And I think the league would be foolish to think that uh, they're going to sit down with him and and, and renegotiate something. He's, he's made his intentions pretty clear that, you know, it's it's a dream he's had since he was a kid. Um, you know, he, he can't he can't be foolish enough to think that. Uh, you know, not playing well is, is going to do him any favors. He's he's got to be a smart guy, and I'm sure he's going to get out there and and, and show himself well. Uh, and the way he does that is by helping the team win, and that's going to improve his market value and give him a sh- good shot. I think you know, I think Major League Soccer just needs to be honest about their players and say, look, you know, in the middle of the season, when that transfer window opens, you know, don't get your hopes up. You know, your teams, the the great players, your teams are counting on you. There's not enough depth in this league to for for any team to give up somebody like uh, Clint Dempsey in the middle of the season and have that not be a huge impact. And I think they just need to tell players that. We're not selling you in the middle of the season. I think they have to realize, too, that you know the league's got to do what's right for it as well. With uh, an offer for Clint Dempsey, which I believe they was stated to be around $1 or $2 million. Clearly, I think after the World Cup, he's proven he's a player that can certainly be worth more than that, and I think they shouldn't sell themselves short, and I think that's something that a player like Dempsey has to realize uh, when he's considering why they rejected the offer. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, most most guys at this level, uh, you know, my hope is that it's all about being professional, and they realize that, uh, you know, a good portion of it is about business, and, uh, you know, when somebody mm-hmm. offers something that the league considers to be kind of a low-ball offer, you know, you don't take it, and you send send word out there that, you know, the next team that comes along looking for him, 
Uh, and there will be another team looking for him, and they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to offer something more. You know, I can't imagine there are teams out there that uh, uh, that wouldn't uh, also be interested. And I think if the league is is straightforward with those teams, saying, you know, look, you know, we're not we're not selling folks off at the first offer we get. We want you to come in, and and uh, you know, well, we want two, three, four teams looking at our guys, and 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 you know, offering something that's going to make it worth our while. At the same time, there's a guy like Taylor Twelman who uh, reportedly there was an offer for him from the Bundesliga, from German Bundesliga, but he stated that he would love to stay with the league if the offer was right. Now the question is, uh, if we're to believe the salaries posted by the Washington Post, the Revs clearly have the the lowest salary structure of any of the teams in MLS. Uh, Do you think the Crafts are going to be willing to offer Taylor Twelman the money that he believes he deserves, and do you think he's got a realistic belief of what he deserves considering... Uh, if we are to believe what's in the Washington Post, that he is the highest-paid player on the team. Uh, you know, I think a player like uh, Twelman certainly can make a good uh, argument to be paid uh, far more than he is now. I don't know that that's entirely up to the crafts. I think that, uh, you know, if a guy like uh, Donovan can can pick up the kind of money he's getting and Johnson, and even, even Wolf kind of money, which is, you know, I think in the neighborhood about four, four fifty. Um, you know, I don't see any reason why your your league MVP can't be making uh, you know something along those lines. Certainly, but at the same time, uh, you'd hope he backed it up with his performances after saying that. Where recently, it certainly hasn't been his best. We saw uh, just on Wednesday night uh, a little bit of a difficult header, but it was an open net that he sent wide. And uh, those are things that in the past we've certainly seen him put away, and maybe something that he's got to start. You know, picking back up, especially in the stretch run, a little disappointing to see that he's not in his best form. Yeah, and, and you know, professional sports are all about uh, you know what have you done for me lately, and uh, you know, being last year's MVP isn't going to get him uh, a, a new price tag. He's going to have to uh, you know get this whatever it is turned around, start putting the ball in the net, and uh, and and then that will help him, and he'll he'll be able to make a good argument for uh, for bringing down some bigger money. And now we're joined over the phone by a writer for Soccer New England and uh, MLSNet.com, Andrew Hush. Andrew, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, Sean. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Pleasure. And last Wednesday, the Revs got off the 1-1 tie with uh, D.C. Uh, what did you think of the result? And do you think the Revs uh, really really could have used three points out of the game rather than the tie? Um, I think that the, the way that the game had started, I think they could have been out of, out of it by half time. D.C. had some chances to really take it. Um, and put themselves out of sight um, so I think that the Reds can be happy with the character they showed and the fact that they were able to battle back and get the equaliser but as you say um, particularly having come off the win against New York I think there was a, an overriding feeling that although it was nice to uh, you know, pick up another decent result and take something positive out of the game three points were really what they should have been um, coming away with and they were a little bit disappointed with that performance I think And the other question is you mentioned the great second half performance but uh, the first half performance was certainly was uh, disappointing, and the way this team's been playing all year, uh, they've certainly had some good starts for the games, but it seems more the exception of that they've started fast, where uh, they've had a lot of problems struggling with slow starts to, the, to their games. What, what do you think is the issue with that? Yeah, it has been a problem throughout the season. I mean, there, there are plenty of games where you can think that uh, it's been a real issue. I mean, the, the game in Dallas comes to mind when they conceded four in the first 20 minutes and nothing else may be as extreme as that but there have been many occasions where they've fallen behind and almost had to give the other team um, a head start in order to get themselves going them, um, their own game going it's difficult to put your finger on why that would be um, I think that 
in, in, in certain games, um, you can you can kind of look at the, the first 15 minutes of the games, and maybe they just that's that's the way that the game is going to go for the rest of it. Sometimes they seem to have a problem if they do start slowly, kind of picking themselves up. Whereas in some and on some occasions over the course of the season, they've started the game well and really kicked on from there. Thinking about you know the LA game at home, for example. Um, Chicago away where they won the game out there they were uh, you know really started and played well in that first half and and went on from there but I think the biggest the biggest thing for them this season has been and Jay Heath spoke about that this this past week was that really they haven't put together full games they haven't played for 90 minutes in many of the games at all the players spoke a little bit about the New York game last Saturday and said that that was one of the games where they did feel as though they put in a full performance and again it was back to sort of the battle days on um, on Wednesday a little bit where they really only played for 45 minutes and were maybe fortunate in the end to uh, to come away with something based on the uh, disappointing performance in the first half and the other question is this team has a lot of offensive uh, weapons we've seen in years past and be one of the top scoring teams in the league that hasn't been the case this year and uh, really the last time they scored two goals in a game was against Chicago on July 8th uh, why do you think that is and why do you think a guy like Taylor Twelman hasn't been scoring recently I think that if you look at the way that the Revolution line up, I think that any opposing coach can basically game plan for them, knowing exactly who's going to be out there. They know that Twelman will be the focal point up front, and that it's, uh, it's certainly without Noonan having been um, consistently available all season, uh, Twelman really ends up playing up front on his own quite a lot, and he's, he's not your prototypical lone man up front. He's not... He's not as, as tall to be able to to be able to be the target up there, he uh, h- holds the ball up reasonably well, but not not very very well. And he has runners playing off him, but if the ball's not sticking up front, then that's uh, that's becoming a problem um, as well. I think the other thing you can look at, and this has been an issue throughout the course of this season, is that the midfield has been generally quite strong, um, particularly in the centre, but. Without Steve Wilson's had to play a lot on the left-hand side, and that's been difficult for him. I don't think he's as comfortable out there, but he's a veteran player, so he goes out and does he does a job out there. I think that if they had uh, been able to find somebody to play the equivalent role to that which Ralston fills on the right-hand side, over on the left, then they certainly would have had a lot more uh, a lot more opportunities in the offensive end. It's been noticeable that the uh, quality of the crossing from the flanks this year just hasn't been there, which explains a little bit as well why Twelman's um, struggled, I think, in front of goal at times. But at the same time, we have seen him have some chances that uh, we'd expect him to put away with the way he's played in pe- previous years. A lot of them that, um, you know, we saw a, a few years ago, I believe, where he had a stretch where he kept kicking the ball right at the goalie's face or, uh, you uh-huh. know, off different parts of the goalie. I think we... We've seen, maybe not necessarily on Wednesday, where he had a couple of great shot saves by Troy Perkins, but at the same time, there have been some chances by Twelman that were a little surprising not to see him finish. A lot of the shots and the efforts that he's had this year have hit people or goalkeepers. Or you know, I think that uh, I, I believe he's six of his goals, as it were, have been called back um, by referees this year. Now, some you know maybe more legitimately than others. In, um, you know, there's always those ones that go against him and. Without making excuses for him, it, th- there does seem to have been a, many occasions this year where he has had the opportunities to, uh, you know, to, to take them, and he's been thwarted by crossbars or goalkeepers and that sort of thing. Having said that, and I, I heard you were speaking earlier on about the, uh, you know, his, his overall form and that sort of thing. I think he'll be disappointed with the way that it's gone this year, based on his record in this in this league. Um, I think he really, no matter, he may not have said anything about this or confirmed this, but I think he really wanted to come out particularly having been left out of the World Cup and proved that he should have been there with the goals that he had scored in the league. 
But again, coming back to the fact that it's been difficult for him um, because he's not the type of player who's going to create his own chances necessarily. He relies on a lot of good service from the flanks and uh, good through balls and that sort of thing. And it's been difficult for him without Noon, and I think that's that's plain to see. And with uh, you know with with playing um, up front with somebody like Dempsey, who's not a traditional striker, uh, Dempsey likes to drop a little bit deeper, um, which really means that. Taylor's kind of plowing his own furrow up there and that sort of he, he ends up playing a little bit more with his head down I think as he tries to pick up possession um, and it's noticeable he comes more into the game when he, when he drifts out wide and is actually able to play you know to play on the half turn or facing the opposition goal but obviously when he's out there there's nobody in the middle so it's a kind of a catch-22 situation there. And you were the first one to report some of these new signings with uh, guys like Arson Oka and uh, Bundes what do you think uh, the team can expect out of these players? Um, well, regarding Oka, I think that he's, you know, that's clearly an, uh, an unknown quantity. Um, I understand that it was a link of uh, contact of Paul Mariner who had put the revolution in touch with him. Um, so, I mean, c- you know, coming in, they, they're not really, they're not really uh, taking up too much, too much of a gamble um, with Oka. Hopefully, he comes in and he, you kind of catch lightning in a bottle a little bit with him. I understand that he's a midfielder who's left-footed. So if he comes in and he's able to contribute on that left side of midfield, then um, that would certainly be a, be a boost. I mean, in the short term, Oak is more of a long-term thing, but in the short term, Abundus is the one who's coming in who they really hope can help. Um, with reg- again, going back to the, uh, the injury to Noonan, I think that when, when people look back on this season with the revolution, that injury to, the injuries that Noonan's had throughout are going to be one of the main reasons um, why they've really struggled throughout this regular season. I think that his absence and the fact that when he has come back he, he hasn't been in, in top form and at top match fitness has been a real issue and it's had an impact on the rest of the team. Um, with regard to Abundis, I think they hope that he can come in and offer something. I don't know if they know how much because he's uh, not got a good history of being able to start and finish games. But certainly if you look at what they've got available on the bench um, at this point, regarding uh, their, their offensive substitutes and that sort of thing. Given the stretch run, Abundis has played a lot in the Mexican League. He's got international experience. So I think that they believe that he can come on, even if it's for the last 20 minutes in games, and have an impact. And if, the, if a chance is to fall to anyone, I think they'd like to think it would fall to him because he's capable of putting it away. And the team's also had some changes in uh, the starting lineup this year as compared to last year where uh, Cancelo's seen a lot less time. And Andy Dorman's really kind of taken over an attacking midfield role. Um, but we've also seen him play right, right midfield, where he's had some of his best offensive uh, production coming from right midfield this year. Uh, it's a little surprising that the team chooses to put him in uh, the center, where really for, I, for a stretch of the season, I thought he kind of carried the team with his offensive contributions on the right. Yeah, absolutely. I think, that, I think the right-hand side of midfield is his best position. He has more time out there to be able to see more of the field. I think he sometimes, sometimes what happens... Um, when he plays in the centre is that it kind of gets a little bit clogged up in there because he's not a traditionally attacking midfielder. I think um, if, he's, if he was to have the choice, he'd probably want to play alongside someone like a Shaori Joseph. But invariably, you see Dorman in the middle with, uh, as it has been, Shaori and Jeff Laurentovich as well. And those guys sort of end up trying to do the same, the same sorts of jobs, which, uh, again, has, a, has an impact negatively on the, uh, the offensive end. I think that, I mean, Dorman's been a real success story this season I mean he's been particularly over the first three or four months of the season his form has tailed off a little bit in the last couple of months but that's perhaps to be expected again he is he's only in his third season and this is this is the season in which he's played the most amount having just been a bit part player over the last couple of years um, I think that again if uh, another player who's been injured Danny Hernandez if, if he had been available over the course of the season then 
Dorman perhaps would have been slotted in. Um, you know, he, he would have had more of a bit part squad role, and he would have come off the bench a lot more. So uh, and the hope the hope is that um, with with Dorman he can kind of rediscover that form of the first few months of the season, and that this kind of wall that he's hit at the moment is uh, not something that's going to have an impact on him for the rest of the season. Because he's one of those players in the team who is capable of playing that killer ball. Um, and he's very good with his crossing from the uh, from the right hand side, and he does offer them a very good option out there. Speaking of uh, the substitutions and uh, how he probably would have played if there was more depth with the team with a guy like Daniel Hernandez available, at the same time they do have guys like Jose Cancelo and now James Riley on the bench, a uh, guy with speed, Willie Sims, who wasn't on the bench the last game but has been on the bench a lot this season. Uh, are you a little surprised the team doesn't take a strategy more like we've seen from DC United, who? Uh, end up usually using all three of their subs to add a little speed and a little fresh legs onto the field late in the game. Yeah, it's interesting the way that certain managers approach substitutions. Um, Steve Nichol tends to be in favour of, you know, believing that the players who start the game, are, they're out there for a reason. He's in favour of uh, seeing, seeing them uh, take the job through. Um, I mean, th- there are different reasons I think why he, uh, you know, why he why he brings certain players in there. I mean, you look at Cancelo, and Cancelo can be kind of such an, such an enigmatic player at the, at the best of times in that he's capable of coming on and in the last 20 minutes and, and turning a game around whereas he'd start the next game and do nothing for 75 minutes and, you know, and really, really kind of infuriate fans and, uh, and, and uh, supporters alike but again Cancelo I, I, I believe that he's, he's a very good option to have off the bench um, I think that he over the course of a game if he's to start a game he tends to get uh, a little bit beaten up in terms of the physical play that the MLS features. He's not really suited to the, uh, you know, to that type of play. I think he's, despite the fact that he's missed a lot of time, he's still well up on the list of the, the player who's suffered the most fouls over the course of the uh, the season as well. So, Cancelo offers a lot off the bench. I think he'll he'll still be important, particularly if they go into the playoffs where games are going to be tight and need that little bit of inspiration. And regarding those other two players that you mentioned. Um, Willie Sims, I think, has done pretty well this season in terms of his progression, but I, I, I believe that um, the coaching staff still don't think he's quite at the level whereby he could come on and have a definite impact. Um, his touch on the ball is not at the level it should be for, for this league. Um, you know, the ball tends to just bounce a little bit um, away from him um, when, when it comes into him, which, again, when they, when they play with, uh, with one or two strikers up, they really need that ball to stick up there in order for them to get their midfielders forward. So um, I think Willie Sims, as I said, has done well, but he's, uh, again, a work in progress. And you mentioned Riley as well. Well, Riley's kind of an interesting player because it's still not clear, I don't think, where his best position is. I think teams have really found him out over the last couple of months um, in that left-sided defensive role, which is why he's now finding himself on the bench. Um, I think I personally think that Riley would do a good job as either one of the, uh, the wing-backs uh, but obviously, Franchino's ahead of him on the left side, and Ralston's ahead of him on the right side. But again, as, as the uh, as the season goes, it's a uh, it's, it's a thing where I think you'll see Riley as one of those role players who's capable of coming on and maybe offering a little bit of energy and speed off the uh, the bench. And the main thing with MLS compared to other world leagues is uh, the parity in the league, where with the salary cap, it's made made it so teams uh, really all have a chance. But this year, it seems since the All Star break, there's been two. Two clear division champions in uh, FC Dallas and DC United have kind of run away with their respective conferences. Uh, obviously, after that, it's been a, a, a wild race. But what do you think separates those two teams from the rest of their division? I think if you look at the quality of the quality of the squad that they've got, um, and their top players have been playing well all season, 
And you look at players like uh, Moreno for DC United. Christian Gomez has been very good all season. Um, and then with, with the Dallas uh, side of things, Ruiz has been injured, but he's still come back in. I think he's in double figures now for goals. And Kenny Cooper and Richard Mulrooney have been two really good additions to Colin Clark's squad down there. Um, so I think if you if, if you look at those two teams, then you would say that yeah, they're probably the best you know the best two teams over the course of the regular season. But again, as you mentioned, with the way that the league uh, system works and the playoffs, etc., as we've seen in many years in the past. Um, the form in the regular season really doesn't doesn't show us too much as to what's going to happen into the uh, you know into the postseason. I mean, we're sp- speaking here about Dallas and uh, DC, but both of them have lost within the last 24 hours. Um, and so I think that it, it, it's, it seems as though those teams that go out early and really lead their divisions early almost have to start again at the, when, it, when it comes to the end of the season. So they haven't peaked too peaked too early, and they're not caught up when it comes around to the playoffs. Well, it also seems like. Those two teams have kind of taken their foot off the gas recently where uh, they've been so comfortable for a while. Do you think that's going to hurt them come playoff times that they're not really playing in their best of form? I think it could do. I mean, we spoke about the, the fact that it's with the Revolution, they found it hard to uh, pick up the pace during a game having started slowly. And with, with DC and with Dallas having had such a great start to the season, they've kind of known that they're going to be in the postseason for the last month or so. Um, so there is that inevitable, um, you know, feeling amongst the players and even the coaching staff as well that everything's kind of stacked up towards what's going to happen in the playoffs and you give certain players a little bit more time and everything's you know kind of kind of just uh, the intensity uh, is reduced a little bit and sometimes that can be difficult after six months of playing in the regular season to pick that up again you saw that with the revolution last season I mean that's an absolute case in point in terms of how a team can really dominate throughout the regular season but just have nothing left when it comes around to the playoffs Whereas from a Revolution fan's point of view this year, what you'd hope is that this is a run like they had in maybe in 2 where they really fire towards the end of the season and then finish up going into the playoffs on the crest of a wave and sort of carry all before them. And we talked earlier on the show about uh, the, the team's failures against some of the weaker teams in the division that you kind of expect them to beat easily against a team like Salt Lake, Columbus, uh, Kansas City when they're in such a bad run of form. Uh, do you think this team has a problem maybe... Uh, with the games like that, maybe getting motivated or maybe underestimating their opposition? That's a good question. I mean, they shouldn't. Obviously, you know, in these, these, the, they're professional players and that, and that sort of thing. Um, but I think it's, you know, maybe the response to that is twofold. I think that, yeah, obviously that when they're playing against lesser teams, it is, it is inevitable that you look at their league position and maybe take them a little bit more easily. But I also think that the teams playing against them really want to show, show how, you know, what they can do and those other, t- those other teams have their problems elsewhere you look at a couple of the results that the Revs have had against them this year I mean when they played Real Salt Lake and lost 3-1 in July at Gillette Stadium I, I thought Salt Lake were one of the, one of the better teams I've seen um, up here this year based on the way that they played they had a lot of offensive options and you know really defended well and looked as though they could have scored more than three goals. And likewise, Columbus, the uh, you know two or three weeks ago when they were out there, um, Columbus with a lot of young players who you know maybe don't have the experience to put it together on a consistent basis, really went out and showed that the uh, you know they've got they've got a lot to be uh, to be hopeful for out there in Ohio. Um, but yeah, I mean coming back to the original question with with regard to the Reds. Um, I mean, this league, as you say, is all about parity. Um, and any team, they, the way that MLS wants it is that any team can beat any team on, uh, you know, on any given day, as it were. Um, and I think that that's something that you've seen this year. You have seen that, um, 
you know, that thing with the revolution where they'll go out and they'll play well against a DC, for example, and then they'll struggle against maybe, you know, a Columbus or, or someone like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, you're probably better off asking a psychologist, I guess, about the, uh, you know, the, uh, the mental makeup and preparation for these games. But I think that there has been a disappointing uh, performance you know performances this year by the Revolution against those lesser teams, but then you'd hope that on the on the flip side of that, when they get into the playoffs, they're going to be playing against the top teams, so they can go out and show that form that's seen them pick up wins against you know the likes of Chicago and LA and that sort of thing this year. Then that leads to the question with uh, their final two games being against DC and Columbus. DC uh, quite likely will have first locked up by then, and then Columbus, uh, if things continue the way they are, will have nothing to play for, be out of the playoffs. Uh, is that maybe not the best way to go into the playoffs against two teams that maybe have nothing to play for? And those could have kind of be trap games where uh, your team wants to build and get consecutive wins and be in good form going into the playoffs. Yeah, I think that it's a good point to make that they could be you know those trap games, as you mentioned. I actually think this next week is the biggest week of the season probably for the Revolution. I mean, they're playing against two teams this week who are immediately below them in the Eastern Conference standings. And if we're sitting here in a week's time and the Revolution have picked up two wins, then they've basically locked up at least third spot. Um, so going, in, you know, going into the, uh, the last couple of games of the season, I think that the Revolution would really want to have, the, uh, you know, have that locked up. Because I don't think, obviously, anybody's going to catch D.C. Um, I think Chicago probably a little bit too far ahead. So it looks as though it's going to be the Revs in Chicago in those two and three spots. Um, so I think that I mean I think that what, what they'd like to, what they'd like to do is uh, get into a position where they know they're going to be in the playoffs. I mean you know they they wouldn't ever want to have to go into that last game against Columbus for example having to win it. Um, so I think they they would they would like it to be a position where you know they're not trap games necessarily because of the fact that the uh, the Revolution are already in the playoffs and they know their fate and they know where they're going and that sort of thing. But yeah, interesting last couple of games of the season. Um, in that it looks as though you know they're going to be facing the top team and the bottom team, and you know maybe maybe we'll see uh, you know what their playoff mentality is going to be like a little bit in those games. And I'll let you go in a second here, but before we do, could you tell us about uh, Soccer New England's website and Soccer New England as well as uh, you're writing for MLSNet? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, at SoccerNewEngland.com. What we what we try and do is cover as much of the uh, the New England soccer scene as we can, from the uh, the youth the youth level and the issues being discussed in that in that. Uh, range of the game right up the way through uh, college uh, sports and college scores what we have on there is a, an extensive scoreboard where we try and carry the, uh, the results of every single college in New England um, obviously it's a big time of year for all the college uh, games going on at the moment so we update our website every single day with all the details on there and then of course at the, uh, the professional end we, we look at the revolution and we have reports from the training ground and from the Gillette Stadium on the, on the days of the games as well and as I said, you know, we try and offer as much as we can to New England soccer fans, so it can be really a one-stop shop for them to come to, uh, to come to there and find out the late, you know, how BU got on this weekend, for example, and how the Revolution got on, and you know, maybe some of the things going on in the uh, behind the scenes in the uh, the youth setup as well. And how did you first get involved with Soccer New England? Uh, originally, I was uh, I, I started freelancing for Soccer New England uh, at the start of '04. Um, I was over here working for a coaching company and had always wanted to get back into writing, having done it a lot uh, when I was growing up in England. Um, and then last year I uh, ended up coming on board full-time and, you know, a year later, here I am, and as I said, working for the league website as well and you know, having a great time being paid to write about soccer. Is 2004 when you first got involved with the Revs? Um, yeah, to an extent. I think that, I mean, really last year, 
um, was when I was able to devote enough time to it to be able to get down to training sessions and games and that sort of thing as well. Um, so, I mean, I'd always, in the time that I had, uh, in the time that I'd been um, over here, I've lived here since 2002. I'd always kept in, kept in touch with the revolution and how they were doing. But probably over the last 18 months or so, I've really sort of picked that up and, and really got to know the uh, the ins and outs of the organisation a little better. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and keep up the great work. Great stuff. Thank you, Sean. Bye-bye. That was uh, Soccer New England writer and MLS writer, uh, Andrew Hush. Um, and I have to say, some excellent comments from him about uh, his thoughts on the team. Certainly, he sees the team a lot more than a lot of us with going to a lot of the training sessions. And he's broken a lot of uh, a lot of news stories this, this year before anyone else, so it's a great source, SoccerNewEngland.com. Uh, for any fan to check out, and certainly a must on your bookmarks list if you're a fan of the Revolution. Absolutely, it's on my bookmarks. <laughs> and uh, we've got about five minutes left to wrap things up here. Uh, we're talking about the upcoming schedule: uh, Wednesday against the New York, New York away, and then big game against big game on Saturday at home against Kansas City. Uh, certainly, a game I'm looking forward to, and uh, a great game for the fans with Kansas City having several. Uh, Big-name players, Eddie Johnson, who's out of form at the moment. We mentioned it, Josh Wolf, who also went to the World Cup. Another player's out of form, uh, Jimmy Conroe, probably back healthy uh, after being out for being out in the face from Clint Dempsey. So they're, they're an interesting team to watch, a team with a lot of stars that has really disappointed this year with their performance. Yeah, we'll, we'll be in the fort. Uh, looking forward to the game coming up against Kansas City, and uh, we'll have to come up with some interesting songs for uh, Jimmy Conrad to welcome him back. And uh, I forgot to play this already, but uh, we do have the Steve Nichols press conference from Wednesday night's game, and we can play that now. Great. I think half time is the longest I've spoken since I came here. And uh, at half time, every department you want to look at, they were better than us in the first half. So we had a lot to cover. Um, but I think the second half, we came out, we rattled the cage, and we got better as the game wore on. Can you comment on um, uh, missed opportunities in the second half? Is that still a problem for you guys? I, th- I think we had a couple of chances. You know, they had a couple of chances as well. Um, you know, I think probably a, a draw was a, a, f- a fair result. Uh, certainly after the first half, uh, after being outplayed, as I said, in every department, we, we came out second half and rattled the cage, and we got better. You name it. You name it, we were second in the first half. So we had to get with a lot of things we had to get through. Obviously, you got the equaliser, and then there were a couple of chances after that. What about the last half an hour of the game when it seemed to settle into a, a pattern? Um, looked like DC settled in a little bit. Um, were you looking for more from your team to, to maybe go on and look to win the game? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we'd like to win the game. You know, we got the response we were looking for. We we started uh, we started okay second half, and we, I thought we got better as the game wore on. Um, to the point where we were looking the more likely to win the game. Uh, they're dangerous in the break. They've got some uh, guys who make good runs into the box. Uh, but, you know, if we're greedy, we, we obviously wanted to win the game. Uh, we thought we were more likely to win it. But, as I said, after the first half, um, half a piece. DC have taken the lead in each of the three games that you've had against them this year. Is there anything you can put your finger on as to why that's happened? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think we were just uh, slow in the head, to be honest. You know, we <coughs> we really spent the first half reacting to things uh, as opposed to reading it or, or making it happen on our side. We, we were reacting. Um, and when you get to this level of soccer, it's too late to react. You have to you have to be reading it and you have to be 
reading what's going on. And that was Steve Nichols' post-match comments on uh, Wednesday night's game. Uh, we were talking about the upcoming schedule, uh, home games, Kansas City, one we mentioned. Then the following Saturday, uh, September 30th, against Colorado Rapids, uh, another interesting game, Colorado team uh, coached by former Revs head coach Fernando Clavillo. Um, they're in good position right now to make the playoffs, so uh, even though that's an out-of-conference game, that should still be a fun game and an interesting game to see. Yeah, Colorado, again, is another one of those teams, I think, that uh, you know you never know what you're going to get. So it'll be interesting to see uh, you know, who brings their game, whether it's going to be the Revolution or come out uh, guns blazing, or if it's going to be Colorado that's just going to take the game and run with it. As you said, they are a team you don't know what to expect from. They're a team that has a, a 500 record on the season, as many wins as many losses, but they have a negative 10 goal differential, uh, the worst in the league outside of Columbus. So uh, certainly that shows that they've been... Uh, on the losing end of a lot of big, big games, so uh, you you don't know what to expect. Well, I, I think uh, I think Fernando is a, a coach that uh, you know he wants to win the game, and uh, if his team is down, he's going to tell them to start throwing bodies up. And you know you can lose one nothing, you can lose five to nothing. It's still you know you still lost the game. Um, so uh, I think that. Uh, I think that's maybe a difference in coaching style. I think uh, Steve Nichols more likely to want to, you know, continue to keep things tight in the back and and look to uh, maybe get that one back. And Fernando's more uh, more the kind of coach I think will say, "Oh, you know, we're down one. You know, let's start throwing bodies up. And you know, if we give up two more goals, we give up two more goals. We still lost." And speaking of Colorado, they came off with a on Wednesday a, a big win for them, a one nothing victory over Chicago Fire, stopping Chicago's uh, great streak. So they're a team that. Uh, done well recently with that result, so y- y- that could be a good game coming up. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. I think all of them are going to be great games. Uh, if uh, you know, if you're not uh, there, then you're certainly going to be missing something. And some of the other game scores that should be mentioned: uh, the Red Bulls beating Columbus on Saturday, which put the Red Bulls back into a good position to you know make a shot at making the playoffs, and kind of really put Columbus in. Uh, tough, tough, tough situation if they plan on making it. Uh, also, Salt Lake coming up, with, coming up with a win over Dallas. Uh, Dallas losing to expansion teams on Wednesday and on Saturday. Uh, we saw earlier today Chicago uh, coming off in, with a win against D.C. United. So uh, Chicago's in great form right now. D.C. continuing kind of their slump there. Uh, there's also a later game tonight. So some interesting results over the past week. And really, playoff picture is still... A very tight thing, and these are going to be a very interesting last five games for the Revs. Yep, the uh, the very long Major League Soccer preseason is over, and the games are now, they matter. Uh, teams have got to start uh, putting points on the board. Uh, as as you said earlier, you know, aside from Dallas and, and D.C., um, you know, everything's up for grabs. And uh, if teams don't realize that now and, and start putting the points up there, then uh, they're going to wake up one morning, uh, you know, scheduling their golf games. And we're talking about uh, the uh, the upcoming games once more. Uh, the the team has you know five games left. The, as we mentioned, with, as Andrew mentioned, the biggest week of the schedule, I believe, and as he believes, uh, against New York, Kansas City, the two teams right behind him. Uh, Colorado game at home, Columbus Crew game to finish the season. They have a home game to finish the season, so uh, great games to come out to. And y- even the Columbus game, should Columbus be eliminated, should be another great game. I think it should be a great game, and hopefully it's you know it's not the make or break game of the season. Uh, I'd like to uh, see them pick up these next two games, get six points, uh, hold these uh, two teams just below them down, and be able to look at games with uh, DC and Columbus as not uh, do or die games. 
you know, we saw, uh, you know, how how hard it was last year in the playoffs after getting uh, really kind of just beat on for three games. And then you end up at MLS Cup and half your guys are, are you know, barely able to stand. So hopefully we can go into those last couple of games without, uh, you know, without too much pressure. And that's something that it would help to have guys like Daniel Hernandez around to give some guys breaks every once in a while and as well as hopefully get Pat Noonan back and healthy and keep him healthy for the playoffs. Yeah, and, and hopefully the the guys who are healthy who are not starting will will get a chance to give the guys a break. And, and I know that uh, you know that's a coaching decision, but you know we've all seen how how infrequently uh, Steve Nichol uh, uses those subs. And I think uh, last year probably you know should have been a lesson learned that uh, you can't send the same guys out there over and over and over again. You've got to give them, you know, especially towards the end of a game where, uh, you know, the tired legs result in some pretty nasty fouls. We've got to wrap things up. We can be heard every Sunday here from 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, we'll be on next week. I'd like to thank Barry for joining me today in the studio. I'd also like to thank Andrew Hush and Joe Franchino for joining us over the phone. Uh, the archives can be got at revolutionrecap.com. Uh, we'll see you next week. All right. See you next week. Thanks, John. You are listening to 1320 WARL, Attleboro, Providence.